0: Welcome to Teacher Tales, a podcast from the spirit of teaching. This is your host, Linda Markley, and I invite you to join me and my guests as we get curious, explore, discover, and learn more about what is really at the heart of teaching. In each episode, we will hear the story of a teacher what called them to teach, what are their greatest joys and challenges in teaching, what inspires them and what are their hopes, dreams, and vision for the education of children. We will learn more about the greatest lessons they have taught and also the greatest lessons they have learned. No checklists, no standards, no reports, no paperwork, and no data. Just stories from their hearts to our hearts on a journey to celebrate what really matters in the true spirit of teaching. Today my guest is Heather and she is a dear friend and colleague and I've known her for so many years and I love her dearly and so Heather you want to tell us a little bit about you and your teaching uh, career or path ahead maybe a little bit?
1: I would love to. I'm Heather and I started teaching About twenty years ago, I did take a break for about a year in the middle, somewhere in there. So it's like nineteen-ish years. But um, most of them have been being a a middle school Spanish teacher. I did briefly. I taught um, four-year-olds, and um, that was not the age. I I need them to be. uh, I need them to be able to to laugh at my jokes. Um, I don't know, (laughs) even if they're bad. Uh, uh, So somehow the little 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 ones was. It just wasn't my forte. I I like the the back and forth banter of uh, the age group of middle schoolers. I just think they're the coolest things ever. Um, which I think only middle schoolers, you have to, you have to really have a middle school heart because when people know that I teach middle school, they're like, Oh my God, really? Wow. You're saint. And I'm like, no, they are the coolest human beings ever. <laughs> but, yes. So I've taught Spanish one, Spanish two. Um, and yeah, like it's, uh, I'm not teaching now, but I'm sure you'll ask me those questions yeah. as the interview progresses. But um, on for another adventure um, to do with yeah. languages, but not, not in a teaching capacity of in the United States with 30 kids looking at me. Uh, it's going to be a different kind of adventure.
0: Yeah, You're on your way to uh, teaching maybe in Mexico, right? Tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about that.
1: So that is a big question mark, but an exciting like possibilities kind of question mark. I don't exactly know what I'm um, gonna be doing there, but as you said, uh, jump and the, and the parachute will appear. Um, and so that's kind of what I'm doing. I'm going to Mexico. I'm gonna be living in uh, San Miguel de Allende. And my goal is to get there. And um, I don't even know that if I'll be teaching, I think probably I'll be teaching um, English either online or, um, in the town in some capacity, but that's not my only goal. Like I'm pretty much open to whatever, um, doors open, I'm going to try and walk through them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm just going, I have a friend there who has a place for me and I am just going to try and start up a life there. And if it doesn't work out, I don't even, I don't even know if doesn't work out is the right term if I'm not meant to stay there forever or even for more than six months, then it just meant that that was the place in the universe I was supposed to be for six months. Um, and then I have something else to accomplish. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't, you know, I'll learn from it regardless.
0: Uh, That's a key word there learning. That's always our path, especially as teachers. But I know you've told me before that you, didn't always want to be a teacher it wasn't a calling that you had that you know a lot of teachers talk about and everything. So can you just tell us a little bit about how you came into the teaching field and how it gra- has, seems to have grabbed your heart and that you have definitely developed a teacher heart so how how did you get into the teaching profession
1: well um, so I went to school uh, for languages for Spanish. And in my mind, um, I don't even know if I can say I had an idea of what I was going to do with it, honestly, uh, at that age, because I didn't really think terribly much into the future. Um, but I think I had a vague idea that I would join the Peace Corps, or I would go live somewhere. And then life would happen. I, I don't, I don't know, you know, 19 year old <laughs> Heather was different. Uh, but when I got into that degree, I um, I met uh, my I met my ex husband now, but I met my uh, husband and then decided that the the traveling wasn't going to be for me at that time. And so, what was I going to do with a Spanish degree? Um, I was going to teach, and I really hadn't really um, I hadn't really wanted to be a teacher, and that's primarily because my dad had taught, and I knew that the transition for him um, because it was his second career was hard, Um, and I saw him struggle, and I just I thought. I don't know if I want that. So when I got into it and realized that my personality is quite different than my dad's and the things that he struggled with that just made it very painful, I didn't really struggle with, not to say I didn't have my own struggles, but like, I loved those kids. Like I loved, I loved interacting with them every day. I loved seeing them light up. I, I didn't have a whole lot of, um, discipline problems and that is not just because I'm magically and sparkly wonderful like I think some of it was good honest work I put into um, classroom management and some of it was just like I just really liked them at that age and I think when they walked in my classroom they knew I was as excited to hang out with them as they were to to hang out with me and that sort of that sort of breeds contentment and Not as much chaos, you know. Like, even when I would write a referral, I'd be like, oh man, like, now I'm not going to see you for a while. Like, why did you have to do that? Because now I'm not going to see you in my class and I'm going to miss you. And so, even though they'd be mad at me that I was writing a referral for them, there was a sense of like, I really like you. And I don't like assume this is who you are on a constant basis. You're just having a rough day. And uh, these are the consequences, but I still see you. I still love being with you. And, and language teaching was wonderful because, like, I am such a, such a goober and so goofy. And, like, you can just do anything in a language class. And I, I had so many toys and I had so many bizarre, like, activities that just took it out of the textbook. Uh, I don't know that I would have been particularly content as a math teacher. Like, I don't know how many. I mean, I could be wrong. I'm not good at math, so that's not my forte anyway. But maybe there's a whole lot of, like, things you can do with math that uh, that include <laughs> the kind of weird things that I did. But, uh, yeah, I really loved teaching languages.
0: Yeah. That that came across. And, uh, you know, we talk, I talked with my daughter, who's a teacher, about that relationship building. But I know I visited your classroom a lot. And I, you stood at the door and greeted every child that came in and saw them. Like you said, I see them. And I'm reminded of a, a quote from Toni Morrison. She was on the Oprah show one time, and she said, um, you know, when a child walks in a room, you know, do your eyes light up? And I think that describes you. And really all successful, happy, content Uh, relationship building teachers with their students that when that student walks in the classroom, the teacher's eyes light up. And so do the student's eyes. And that connection is made. And those kids knew that you loved them and they knew that you saw them for who they were. And I think it was reciprocal as well. And that was truly your gift to those kids every day. So
1: I I think that even teachers that struggle with classroom discipline, it's not that they don't necessarily love their kids, but fear gets in. I mean, I remember real clearly the year that they asked us to do, um, we were supposed to be giving this test that they were, you know, trying with the county. And it was the first time it was going to be every kid in Spanish one has to take this test and they don't pass it, you know. And I remember just going, you know, other teachers have had to do that for years, but world languages didn't. And I remember the shift in my insides. Like, when I was scared, then I got, like, I got mad at them sometimes. You know, like, if they weren't paying attention, because if they weren't paying attention, then I couldn't get the Spanish in their head. And if I couldn't get the Spanish in their head, then they wouldn't learn and If they wouldn't learn it, they're going to take a test, and it's going to show up, and everybody's going to think, I'm terrible. And when I realized that that was like an underlying thing, I was like, that's such an ego thing. Like, I don't mean I was horrible or anything, but like, I don't I don't want to teach like that. Like that, and when I realized that was the underlying current, I was like, oh, no more, no more. You know, and I could bring it to the surface and say, You're, I'm kicking you out of here. Like every time I get scared that they're not going to uh, perform and it's going to look bad on me, that just needs, that thought needs to be thrown in the garbage can as many times as it pops into your head, you know, and just when, when I would, like, if I knew a kid uh, was coming and they were quote unquote going to give me trouble, you know, I would tell that kid, like, I loved them and not, well, not I loved them because, you know, get all sorts of weird stuff with that, but I, that I was so excited that they were there and I liked what they were wearing way before they could even do anything that irritated me because it's just not as authentic when, you know, they've done something, you have to discipline them. And then you're like, but I really do like you. They don't hear it as well. So I liked to say it way before they ever got in trouble and it it cut it off at the, at the past. So when they were scared of a test or when I was scared of a test, I just started speaking positive like over them and over me and like, you know, and, and what does it mean to, what does it mean to do well in this class? Does it mean that like there's a piece of paper that dictates who you are and like you are either, you know, good or bad based on an ABC? Like that just can't be, that can't be. And that's not your value to me. And, and then I would sort of say also like you have to make mistakes and you have to, that is part of the language process. Like I'm counting on you to make mistakes because if you're not making mistakes, then you're not learning it. You're just keeping your mouth shut. So if I could get myself into that that mentality and get out of the fear, I think that's where most of the fights come in classrooms is when the teacher's just as afraid as the student.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know I've said this many times with teachers when I was, you know, a district supervisor and also in the classroom. We have to take risks because especially as language teachers, we're asking our kids to take risks every day to speak this language, to have these strange words coming out of their mouth and to do things with the language. Like you said, a lot of it is role playing and, and doing games and playing in the classroom where they may be out of their comfort zone. They may be asked to stretch their performance beyond what they're used to in other classes. And teachers that were not willing to be risk takers and lived in fear, that fear permeated the kids too. Mm-hmm. So when I became an AP teacher, I said I was really a coach, a a mother, a counselor, a therapist. I was really there to just stand beside them and hold their hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I had to be a risk taker too. I couldn't Claim to have all of the answers for this huge, very important test that could give them college credit or not. And so, what you did in the classroom that I saw was so effective, like you said, and why your kids loved it and they learned so well was that element of play that you brought to the classroom and the very low risk, low stakes on the, you know, in the effective domain. So every kid was invited in, everyone was included, and everyone felt safe. So.
1: I remember like an aha light bulb moment when I was like, what if I just put on the rubric where you get points for making mistakes? Like, and then it became kind of silly. And I swear to you, like when I had it before, and they would be so scared and they'd say so minimal, an amount of things because they just wanted it to be perfect. And, and like, so then, you know, you put on the rubric, obviously all the stuff that would normally be on the rubric, but you have one for like, you made five mistakes, 10 points. Like they, they went out of their way to make those mistakes funny and then they loosened up and they said so much more. Mm-hmm. Like when I told them the way I was going to grade their essays was like, they'd get a hundred points for just sheer amount and a hundred points for what you actually wrote. So literally like, if you wrote in Spanish, dog, cat, flowers, eat on the trail to the butterfly. And then Heather went to TV and squirrel. I was like, you know what? I'm not, my, half of my brain's not even going to judge that that's, that's what you wrote. Like that's 100 because you wrote a lot. And then the other side of my brain's going to look at what you wrote. So like what is a, you know, what, what is a C and an A become a B? Like, and so they got this. And I swear to you, if you compared the papers before when I didn't have that, the stuff they wrote before was so like I could barely pull like three paragraph essays out of them. And then on the stuff I got, I got Spanish one kids writing a page, a page and a half, and it was better grammatically. It was better content wise um, because they knew that just for sheer quantity, it like freed up, like, did it have to be perfect? Because uh, some of these points I'm getting just for letting it flow, you know, and that, you know, besides not, being too much fun to grade longer papers. <laughs> Other than that, it was wonderful.
0: Well, you gave them permission to be who they are, you know, mistakes and all. And that's a huge permission slip to give a kid that they can just be themselves. And you're going to love them, anyways. You're going to see them, anyways. And you're going to acknowledge them and, again, take their hand and hold it and continue the journey instead of shutting them down or labeling them with a score or a number or a prediction that they'll never be anything, they'll never be able to do anything. How many times have I told you that and you don't get it? And, you know, kids will answer teachers sometimes. They'll be like, how many times? And they'll say like, 42. Uh, and then the teacher gets angry because, yeah. yeah. And, and so, yeah.
1: And, you know, when you give that, a child they give it back to you like I can't tell you how many times I would say to my class you know you you have cared for me and treated me with that too because I'm not a perfect teacher and when I have made mistakes it is not ended you know ended our classroom forever you know like it you have been as gentle and patient with me as students and that's part of why when we come in here we're you know we all like the space. So it was, I really loved that voice that I found. And there were many things about teaching that I didn't feel very good at. And I really struggled with, Um, but.
0: Can you elaborate just a little bit on a couple of things? If you.
1: Yeah, I'm a crazy, crazy ADHD. Um, And that is super hard when you're like, you know, got 30 kids all in front of you asking you different questions all at once. And I could tell you that I, my, my greatest skill in life is not my lesson plan. Um, because I will sit down and try and write one. And then like five hours later, I'll have the first chapter of war and peace. And we haven't gone out of like the, you know, the first concept. And then I go in the next day with these masterful plans and I don't do any of them. It's as if I never wrote them and I forget about them. Like, I don't, I, It's like my, my brain is like very spaghetti inside. And so it was a constant struggle to fit that style to what was required and and understandably so, um, so other people could follow it if you were gone or so that um, you could be held accountable on some levels. But that, that was a huge struggle and nothing like nothing that I ever felt terribly wonderful at um, grading. Uh, you know, for all the awesome activities that I would come up with on the front end, uh, some of my absolute best and most creative were hellacious to grade. Like, and and because I'm sort of, you know, have a lot of uh, spontaneity in me, like, it might come up with it while I'm actually talking to them. And I haven't put a whole lot of forethought into, like, what that would require to grade <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> You know, so those were some skills that, like, I did not, I I did never really quite master them. But they were gentle too. Like, we would come up with ways to handle that. So, say I had them write these essays that I'm like, wow, Spanish one kids are writing a page and a half. How am I going to grade that? Well, we brainstormed and decided that I would grade one paragraph of each of the class, and then we would take off their names and put them in a circle, um, and they'd all go. And look at the different paragraphs in other people's essays, and look at the paragraph that I had corrected in theirs, and then they would pick another paragraph. So we would then we'd rotate. So you go to another one, and you would be the one who edited that paragraph, and you would be the one that edited that paragraph. And so, like, what turn? If if you can roll like that in the classroom, you're a lot happier too, because nothing ever goes the way you plan, even if you're meticulous. And so, if it stresses you out to change, you will never be happy because there is no static anything mm-hmm. in a classroom
0: exactly yeah you you have to go with the flow my my daughter has said many times mom when, some of my greatest lessons have been fly by the seat of my pants lessons mm-hmm. and creativity is very hard to wrangle and so much of what's in the classroom now is prescriptive mm-hmm. and there's no room for creativity on the part of the teacher or on the part of the student And so teachers who are really creative like you, you know, and a lot of other people I know, it, it, it's really hard because it's hard to take that uh, round peg and put it, or, or, you know, square peg and put it in a round hole trying to, we promote out of the box creative thinking, but we then take everybody and put them in a box and shut the lid and try to keep them tight and, and not, you know, moving anywhere else. Because creativity is movement in a lot of different directions. And that's, you're, I have seen you do that in class where your brain is firing and it's masterful and you come up with these great well, ideas and, and and hook the kids. But was that written down? And how do you write that down? And I had that a lot too, where teachers would say, how do you do that with the kids? How did you come up with that lesson plan? It's just that creative spark that starts in the moment and I feed off the kids and I Mm -hmm. saw you do that. And um, it's, it's not something you can teach somebody else. And it's not something where you can take a lesson plan and give it to another teacher. And that teacher is going to deliver it in the same way. Just like with students having personalized learning, we have to have personalized teaching. Mm -hmm. That's how we make those connections and build those relationships and everything. So So what did you, what, what brought you the most joy in teaching?
1: Mm. You know, I think this is going to be a weird roundabout answer, but I remember hearing a speaker say um, that had won a teacher of the year in some state, I'm not sure which, when they asked her, you know, what would she suggest? Um, like almost like a recipe, like what is a recipe for a good teacher. And she said, everybody's expecting like this technique or that technique or these lesson plans or this, or you just, and she said, she said, dig inside yourself and deal with your own demons and be happier and it will pour out everywhere. And so what I was particularly proud of myself for is that when something did scare me, when something did, when I did feel terribly inadequate, I would get that, I was taught by some good friends to do it anyway, to try it anyway, to let go of ego. And if it didn't work out, make a joke about it. Like, good Lord, I can't tell you how many times I sent home something that it was just off the cuff and I'm trying to make it creative, but it had a grammar error in Spanish and in English. So then I decided to make a funny box. And like anytime we found a particularly funny mistake, including my own, we put it in the box. And at the end of the year, you know, we'd pull them out and you'd get a prize if your mistake got pulled and we'd all laugh. Like, cause I had, you know, <laughs> I had uh, kids saying, instead of I order tacos, we had a good old, I fart tacos. That's hysterical. That went in the box, you know, mm-hmm. when I said something silly and, you know, as a teacher. So to give yourself, um, compassion to, to not stifle yourself just because you're scared and to really ask yourself, why am I scared? Why, why does this make me feel less than as a human being? What am I, what am I really afraid of? And then when you clean up your own stuff and your heart and your, you know, all the things that cause you to trigger, literally the teaching is not as hard and it's not because you've become this master like at, at the topic like, or it's not because you've come across the most amazing, you know, teaching theory. Uh, It's because you are comfortable in your own skin and that allows you to be brave and allow, that's what creativity is, like this ability to not necessarily, I I think everybody's creative. And if you can get past that inner critic that keeps you from that creativity, you know, that's what I would give to teachers. If I could just wrap it up in a pill and give it to, I'd be like, you know, I would, mental health, you know, working on yourself, all of that, that makes you a good teacher. That makes you free enough to try things and to succeed at some and fail at others, but not feel like a failure because you had a failure,
0: you know? Mm-hmm. And in modeling that for the kids, that's so critical. We think, you know, so many teachers think that it's, just about the content and delivering the content and, like you said, that that test at the end and if they pass it or not. And the system has conditioned us to this, mm-hmm. to believe that we are not worthy unless our students pass those tests and also that the students aren't worthy. They feel that and the parents feel it and it's just, it's a system of invalidating um, so many people in the whole process Mm -hmm. and the mental health and social emotional learning aspect of it that we're dealing with human beings and these are children and we're their role models. And if we're not, if we're modeling that it's not a, that we can't handle things or that even if we can't handle them we're not being honest about that mm-hmm. with them. Mm-hmm. They, they know that they yeah. know. You're not fooling anybody there. You're not yeah. fooling kids. No, they know. And if the teacher is afraid and doesn't admit it and becomes more defensive, mm-hmm. kids know it. And they're just going to try more to push those buttons. Mm-hmm. Um, if yeah, the, I mean,
1: didn't you, don't you, like I, even in my family, like they can push my buttons and I have a wise friend. When I'm like, "Oh, they're pushing my buttons," she goes, "Well, why don't you get rid of your buttons?" Mm-hmm. Ah, mm-hmm. like not trying to control the whole world to not push my buttons. How about working on you know some button eradication? Because that's where the freedom comes in. And it, you know, I think sometimes people hear like, "Oh, it's all about socio-emotional or sociological," and I'm using the wrong words. You'll probably edit this, but who cares? So it's not. It's not that I'm not doing the curriculum. It's that like if they have given me a stupid multiple choice test at the end that I'm supposed to get all my kids to pass, like ironically, the way that the majority of them will pass is not giving a billion times of practice on really boring multiple choice tests with, you know, like hammering it like that and scaring them to death. Like it is taking away the fear, which, you know, you could have a kid who knows everything and then they get scared on the day of the test and it just leaves their head like, you know elvis has left the building mm-hmm. you know so first take away the fear then i mean so what they make a million mistakes they're going to learn so much more if they're writing an essay if they're if they're playing with plastic food and talking about it and then you throw like a plastic roach in it and you're like what would you say here if like you know you were in the restaurant and, and they're just being goofy that translates into better better test scores but you have to kind of trust that because it doesn't necessarily look like it mm-hmm. and you also have to know that if it if you know, if you've made a mistake, I don't know. I just I think that the bigger mistake would to be not try, you know, like and not to enjoy yourself while you're there. And I don't know. I, I just I really firmly believe that and and that has been what has made the twenty years that I was teaching, that's the part that I loved. You know, that's why when people be like, Oh, you're leaving teaching? Oh, the kids and I'm like, No no not the not the kids oh the system. no there are other reasons why i'm t i'm leaving but like that i loved like i loved that that experience that that interaction with them that oh it was just wonderful
0: well i think that's pretty common right now that the system Mm -hmm. is is has created a context that has become too painful has created a lot of mental health issues. I've mm-hmm. talked to a lot of counselors and doctors that say that some of their largest clientele now come from the teaching profession mm-hmm. because teachers are having to uh, be, you know, Hercules and doing or superheroes having, you know, being able to do these super human feats of, and, and, just suffer in the process mm-hmm. and so many obstacles put in place and being told that they're not enough all the time with all the teacher evaluations right. and they don't have the resources. And And I it, was not
1: above that. Like if I, as I'm talking about how much I loved being in the classroom, like part of the reason I'm leaving is because I really struggled with anxiety and depression, especially in the last uh, nine weeks when we were all uh, having to go online teaching. Um, mm-hmm. And the, I mean, that is a struggle for me. Uh, and that is part of the reason why it was so hard for me to teach. Um, so those are all real. Like, and I had to really kind of say to myself, like, maybe I'll go back to teaching because there's a part of me that's still like, there's a seed in me that loves it. But I, I want to address this part too. Like, if somebody were to give me a review, like, would that define who I am if the review wasn't exactly what I wanted to see? And is that my motivating factor? And can I, is good enough sometimes enough? Otherwise, like, I'll just burn out, you know? Like, all those different questions that, that I need to address so that I'm a full, because like, I have to be fully, I have to be well inside of me to be a good teacher, to be a good anything, really. So, mm-hmm. and, and it was a struggle, like, especially in this last year
0: Mm hmm Yeah. I mean, so many stories in social media, even ones that I've heard from friends and colleagues and just around the country. I work with teachers still all over the country, and they're afraid. They're afraid of the online teaching. They're afraid that their kids aren't getting enough. They're afraid that their kids, you know, one of the kids are going to have... uh, internet problems and can't connect and that the child's going to feel badly or left out and we take on all of the burdens of I want to say humanity and human relationships mm-hmm. times in, a, in an elementary school 20 to 30 kids mm-hmm. and then a high school 150 to 200 kids mm-hmm. and that is the weight of the world on your shoulders. Mm-hmm. And I don't know any human being that can do that. Um, and I mean human being, let alone a human doing that is trying yeah. to put out all the fires, spin all the plates, mm-hmm. check all the boxes, do all the things that's being asked of them. Mm-hmm. And then emotionally as a human being to endure that because we take on all those all that suffering all of those emotions all of those uh, feelings for all of our students and it we don't get enough um support whether it's resources material wise or support emotionally i know teacher that at the end of last year Contacted me and said, Our principal has gone incognito. They're like not giving us any, she's not giving us anything of like recognition or telling us thank you for what you did do, how you've gone above and beyond. I know this was really hard. So just acknowledging and validating someone and telling them, I appreciate what you're doing. I see you, just like you were talking about with the kids, I see how hard you've been trying and this principal did nothing, and now morale is low, and the teachers feel unappreciated, and that makes them feel not motivated to do that extra bit of effort for the greater good of the profession. But what happens is then teachers go into the classroom and with the kids, If you have that relationship with the kids, that's why we stay and that's why we keep going and doing what we have to do. Mm -hmm. We have talked about so many wonderful things and I know this is just going to be so inspirational to everyone who listens to this. So I have, what I've been kind of doing at the end of every podcast Mm -hmm. is having a little rapid fire, just complete my sentence, but not fill in the blank. It's going to be personalized because that's my message about the spirit of teaching too is that it is a personal learning journey for life. Mm -hmm. And for me to give you multiple choice or to expect you to give me, you know, a pat answer that I correct and say it's either right or wrong. You don't have your red pen out. I do not. I do not. Um, So just whatever comes to your mind, you just complete the thought. Okay. (laughs) You ready? Yeah. All right. Teaching is
1: a gift and an honor to be with those children as as they as they learn and their minds open up.
0: My students are
1: oh my gosh, cutie patooties, absolute angel babies, um, little magical sparkly unicorns that sometimes you know get a little rowdy, but so cute like so cute
0: learning happens when
1: you're not afraid Mm. Um, when you're not afraid when you're not afraid of making mistakes when you're not afraid of being criticized when you're not afraid that somebody's going to find out that you're less than
0: my greatest advice to a new teacher would be oh
1: be gentle on yourself be compassionate Because you are going to make mistakes. But if you are making the mistakes and the system is coming at you and you are also hacking yourself to pieces, you're just going to be bloody on the floor.
0: All right. Last one. My greatest hope for all children is?
1: That they are loved for who they are and that that value is not associated with anything that they do or don't do. Um, and that they just really feel that inherent value.
0: That's beautiful. Well, thank you, Heather. And I wish you all the best. I hope we hear back from you from Mexico and you can give us a, an international perspective. Yeah. Teaching or just being a human being, learning on life's journey, right? Because exactly. that's what it's all about. Well that's why we're friends because everything that you have said about me,
1: you mirrored for me and I picked up at least ninety percent of it from
0: you. Oh so, wow, so sweet. <laughs> like well, that, we're in it together. We're just we're yeah. all holding hands and helping each other. That's all heart connections, kindred mm-hmm. spirits.